Well, good morning. It's good to see you all. Welcome to Hope. We're glad you're here today. Hey, I want to just one more time, uh, Andre Gonzalez, good friend of Hope, came to lead us in worship today as Matt and Brandy had little Selah Hope Perkins this week. I was waiting for a Hope baby somewhere, and they got it. So right there. But would you give Andre and the band a good, uh, a good round of applause? Come on. It's not easy to come into a, uh, a new band and, and work all that out. And Andre is such a great guy. We love him. Thank you for uh, serving us this morning. Well, guys, I want to thank you all. It's good to be back. Uh, I can truly say it's good to be back from Texas. Uh, you think it's hot here? Think again. Uh, appreciate all y'all's prayers. Uh, as Denise and I were back, her father, uh, Pastor Tom Proctor, went to be with the Lord. And um, Denise is still there. Uh, keep us in prayer. She's going to be there for probably about a month helping her mom just work through all the changes and transition. But, you know, it's, uh, it's been a unique time, a difficult time. Uh, pastor Proctor was my pastor. Uh, I got saved under his ministry. He baptized me. He threatened to hold me underwater longer than was necessary because uh, I was dating his daughter at the time, and later I got to marry her, so that was pretty good. And, uh, but we just felt your prayers, and uh, we just want to thank you. I will caution you this morning. My emotions are kind of like right on edge, uh, and... Uh, it, it's, uh, it's, it's been a difficult time. It was a year ago, the same week that my mother passed away. So going back to Texas, we had a lot of, uh, a lot of family time together. And uh, got to see my dad. That was really cool. And, uh, but I'm glad to be back. And it's uh, good to be back at Hope. And looking forward to what God has in store for us in the season ahead of us. How we know that God is always before us. He always, he always goes before us. And, you know, sometimes in the middle of summer, we kind of forget that. It seems like we're just kind of stuck in those routines of summer, and it's all the chaos of travel and all that. But God has plans in store for each one of us. And I believe we're going to enjoy just walking into those as this new, as new season of ministry unfolds. Well, hey, I want you to do something this morning. I want you to pray with me. And we're going to um, continue a series I, I began two weeks ago. Again, thanks to Jim Kelly. just want to uh, say that publicly. Uh, Jim is one of our overseers. He's also one of my best friends. Uh, he, in, in moments notice when I called and we were trying to get out of town, he's like, hey, I'll drive to Charlotte and preach and uh, be with Hope. And uh, I heard he brought a great message. I just heard he didn't have air conditioning last week. Sorry about that. Great week to be away. Yeah. Yeah. I was driving through Arkansas thinking about y'all. We, we buried Tom in Arkansas, his home place. And I learned something about Arkansas that's different than, t than here. i got to share this, and if you're from Arkansas, forgive me. But, uh, man, that is a crazy place. But I, I noticed something on, on driving through Arkansas, and that was every church was like the parking lot was packed on Sunday morning. And I'm thinking it's summertime, because I know about church in summertime. It means we're all at the beach, right? And uh, here's what I determined about Arkansas. They have nowhere to go but church. So it was just like it was church. All of, That was like entertainment for them. So. <laughs> Yes, I love Arkansas. My, my, my wife's family is from a place that literally when I first met her, she took me up for a family reunion and we went to Toadstock Ferry, which was next to Skunk Hollow, to have the reunion. And I, I still married her, so it was awesome. But uh, <laughs> good to be back in Charlotte. We're talking about family. <laughs> and uh, family is unique, isn't it? Uh, just I'll give you all an update. Uh, we always at the first of the month talk about our our land, and uh, I'll, I'll email y'all an update this week, but just to tell you, it's kind of cool, uh, since last August to this August, you guys, through your faithfulness to God above and beyond your tithe and giving, we have paid off over $100,000 of our land mortgage payment, and we are down in the 80000 range now, I think you just give God praise for that, amen, uh, 
I don't know how we do it, but God does it through us, and I'll, I'll share some more of that. But I want to talk about what it is to be really the family of God, the family of believers. And I want us to pray together right now. Let's just open our hearts for what God would say to us. Father, God, what a privilege it is to, to teach your word, God, to experience your presence. God, to be part of something, God, you're creating. And God, we're thankful for that, God, that, Lord, it's, it's not a work of man that we want to be a part of, God. We want to be a work of your spirit. And we pray, God, that we'd be a blessing in this community, God. And, Lord, uh, God, find ways once again to, Lord, bring the gospel. God, bring the good news of Jesus into a world that, God, seemingly sometimes loses its way. But, God, you are the way. You sent your son Jesus to be the way, the truth, and the life, God. And help us to point all men to you. So, God, open our hearts this morning. God, let your word speak loudly to us and let your Holy Spirit make it real in our lives. I pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You know, family, family began when we, when we go back in the word of God. Family began when God created Adam and Eve. He created man and woman. He said there is a family order that he wanted created. It's an order that we still honor to this day. And he commanded them to do some things. He, he commanded them that they were to literally be fruitful and multiply and, and take dominion over this earth and be a steward of what's around them. Take care of it. Lead it, guide it. And we see throughout history God working within family. In fact, the word covenant is what we see most often in the word of God when it speaks about family because God made a covenant with, with his followers. And that covenant spoke of purpose. It spoke of meaning. It spoke of God's provision. It spoke of God's plan. And I'm so thankful that God has a plan for our families. Think about that. We, didn't, we don't just uh, have family to have family, right? There's a plan that God has in us. That literally that we would become a blessing on this earth and point others to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And in the Bible, we see God dealing the same way with family. He blessed them. He blessed them with that purpose. He blessed them with that purpose to, to be that light in the darkness. To literally be that witness of the goodness of God. But he also blessed them with things that we sometimes take for granted. He promised that he would provide for them. He would protect them. He would be their God. I shared with someone the week before I left, I did not know that my father-in-law was going to be passing away. We did not know that we were going back just to see him once again. And I shared with one of our young single moms that was struggling. I said, let me tell you what I heard my father-in-law say from the time I was a teenager up. And I heard it every Sunday. It was his Romans 15, all right, that we quote here. And it was out of the psalm. And he said, the Dave, David, the psalmist said this. He said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. And I'm telling you, church, that is a faithfulness of God. When you're a part of his family, he says, I will provide for you. I will protect you. But he also gave parameters to the family of how it functions best. How many know this morning that God has a way that works best in your family? And he has a way that works best in the family of God. This series is about what it is to be a part of the family of God. There, there are several metaphors in the word of God when he speaks about the church. I share with some, some of you, I shared some of that the first Sunday we began this two weeks ago. And one of those is he talks about the church of being the body of Christ. And it's so important that we understand that image because just like our own bodies, every part of us has to function for the body to do well. Even the little things we don't see, even the things that we may think are insignificant, God says that is part of my created order and that's what makes the body function well. We are essential to each other. I love the, I love the analogies in the New Testament because it gets kind of comical and it's where Paul says, hey, the nose can't say to the foot, I don't need you, okay? And you know, the mouth can't say to the ear, hey, you know what, you're really not necessary. And in the same way in the body of Christ, there are no superstars. Do you understand that? 
There, there are no superstars in the body of Christ. I'm telling you this morning, probably the most important person on this campus is holding one of your babies right now in the nursery so that you can be here and hear the word of God. The most important person is not the one that sang, but it's the person that got here at 7 in the morning to set things up so you can be here and worship God. There, there's no superstars. We're all needed in the body of Christ. That's a great place to say amen. There you go. So look at your neighbor and say, I didn't know you were so important. Would you do that? Just help somebody out there, encourage them this morning. There's a second metaphor, and it's the bride of Christ. I've always liked that metaphor. Because the bride of Christ is beautiful. The church is beautiful. I really get upset when I hear people criticizing churches. I really do. And I know how dysfunctional churches are. You know why? Because they're full of us. <laughs> it's very simple. The moment we show up, they become dysfunctional. But the, the bride of Christ is beautiful. In fact, the Lord said in the word that he died for the bride of Christ. He gave his life for the bride of Christ. And it is cherished, it's beloved, and it's meant to be true to him. But that third metaphor we see in the New Testament is the one I want to focus on in these next few weeks leading up to, to September. And that is, he said, the church is the family of God. There's a family of believers. There is a connection that God has for each one of us. Ephesians chapter 2 Verse 19, we share this in our, in our Hope Discovery class, our 101. It says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. There's something we belong to. There's something that is bigger than us. There's something that is greater than us. When I was back home, I ran into people that I grew up in church with. There are people that probably now 25 years removed from relationship. But you know what they are to me? They are family. And they treat me that way because we are part of this great thing called the household of God. Now, now last time we gathered, we talked about family, uh, about how, how we're accepted in family. We, we talked about the fact that family can be a little awkward. Can I get an agreement with that this morning? I mean, you know, I met cousins I didn't know we had, and some I'm not sure I wish I had met, and uh, family can just be awkward at some times, but it also can be awesome, but, but sometimes we focus more on the awkwardness than we do the awesomeness. I, I showed you a picture last week, I, I think we still have this, of just some of the things we wish we wouldn't do with family. I mean, the 70s and 80s were bad for family photos, right? And, and we just go, you know what, some things should be left alone, but family can be awesome, it can be awkward. But here's the deal, for all of its awkwardness, family says you're in, you're accepted. And there's a powerful force behind that. We talked about how that even though God made family easy, sin makes it hard. We have to get along with each other, and we are sinners saved by grace, and there's times we let each other down, there's times that we do silly things, there's times we say things before we think, and, and our sin makes family hard, but... But God gave the solution to that, and that is the cross of Jesus Christ. For everything must pass through the cross. It's, a, it's the standard of entry. In fact, it's our standard of who really belongs to the family. Think about that. I said something at the end of the service, and a few of you gave me a little, little grief over it later, having fun, but, but it, was, it was so true. I said this, when God includes, we can't exclude. God says everyone is welcome, but to be part of the family, it goes through the cross. That's the entry point, isn't it? Everyone is welcome at hope, but to be part of the family, it goes through the cross. Because every one of us had to do that as a believer and follower of Jesus Christ. Because the word of God says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all need a Savior. Would you agree this morning? 
The wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we all come through the cross, and in these days we live in, we need to recognize everyone is welcome, but the family begins at the cross. It means we're accepted. It means God has a plan for our life. It means God brings his gifts out in us. But really, it's just the beginning. This morning, what I want to focus on is the second blessing of the family. And not only are we accepted, but we are connected. If you're taking notes this morning, I'm going to share some scriptures with you, but I want you to get this concept down in you. We are connected to things that are greater than us. You see, being accepted provides a place. Whenever I, whenever I go back to College Station, Texas, to me, it's home. Now, I haven't been there in 34 years. I haven't lived there in 34 years, but it's home. It's place, right? It, it seems familiar. It feels familiar. When I'm staring at a bunch of Brahma cows, you know, across the field, and it's 103 degrees, I'm like, I'm home, but I'm glad I live in North Carolina, okay? And when I see the guys with build big belt buckles and boots, I'm like, but by the grace of God, there I would have gone. You know what I mean? It's just, you just go and look at it. It's home. It's a place. And there's an acceptance there. You're welcome. You're known. But being connected brings something I think that's greater than place, and that is being connected brings us power. It brings us strength. It brings us something that is greater than ourselves. And I think connections are important, and you need to recognize that. And we also recognize that bad connections really can be frustrating, can't they? I know this will date some of you this morning, but there was a, a famous guy that he made his living on the thought that there are bad connections. Do you, do you recognize him? What was his famous phrase? Can you hear me now, right? And, uh, and bad connections are frustrating. But yet we sometimes have bad connections even within the family of God. See, we're connected, and we need to recognize what we're connected to. And this morning what I want to share with you is not only what we are connected, but I want to talk about how do we fix a bad connection. How do we fix a bad connection, all right? So what are we connected to? The first thing, if you're taking notes, write this down. We are connected to power that achieves great things in us. We are connected to power that achieves great things in us. We, we did a study not long ago uh, about the church. We called it The Story Continues After Easter, and we looked at what happened in the early church. And at Pentecost, something happened that changed everything for those who were followers of Christ. And what happened was is the Holy Spirit went from being this external force. You can see the Holy Spirit all through the Old Testament where, where there was a battle or where there was a great need, and, and there was this encounter with the Holy Spirit, and, and they'd receive power to do something, but then it would just kind of like go away. Whereas at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit became not external, but he became internal. He became a constant connection to everyone who follows Christ. And the Bible described him in so many different ways, but in one way that was consistent, it always spoke of him as being a power that changes our lives. In Acts 1.8 it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Whenever you see that word power in the New Testament, it's usually the Greek word dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite from. And wherever you see it, it speaks of something happening that is beyond our human ability. It speaks of power, mighty works. It's something that God showed us when he gave us the example of Jesus walking this earth. In fact, when we look at Jesus, we see what is possible to those who believe. We see what is possible to those who walk in the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1.8, it speaks of that power changing everything. It's a power to witness without fear. God gives us that ability, gives us that strength to get beyond ourselves to know that others need him and we want to share Christ with others. 
According to Romans 1.16, the Holy Spirit says we have power now to, to really preach or to teach or to speak without shame. Check it out. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. To those who are saved this morning, can I tell you, never forget that. No one is beyond the grace of God. No one is beyond the reach of our Father. No one is too far gone. It doesn't matter if they're in a false religion. It doesn't matter if they're cursing God. It doesn't matter if they're in lifestyles that are opposite of God's word. Nobody is beyond God's reach. And we should not be ashamed to talk about Jesus Christ in this day. I'm sorry. You know, Donald's getting a lot of, uh, lot of uh, coverage for being not politically correct. But can I tell you, the church never meant to be politically correct. Never, God never said that we were to be politically correct. Now, I'm not saying be obnoxious like he is. I'm saying we should not be ashamed to tell people of Jesus Christ. We live in a day where we get called bigots and everything else. Fine, whatever, all right? Because people don't understand what they criticize. The root of Christianity is love. God has called us to love mankind and love them in a way that points them to the cross. For the cross is where they enter into the family. You see, that same power that gives us that ability to witness also gives us the ability to change. To change from the inside out. We don't have to stay the same. I, I know, I've known people that, that they, they look back 20, 30 years ago and they say, well, I've always been this way. And I say, but you don't always have to be that way. You don't have to be controlled by anger. You don't have to be controlled by shame. You don't have to live in the defeat of something that happened long ago. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's power in us gives us the ability to change. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure, speaking of the Holy Spirit, in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. In other words, we don't have the ability to change ourselves. But I, I don't know about you, but I am, I am so thankful it's kind of embarrassing when you go home because everybody tends to remember you as you were, right? Remember, they knew me as a teenager, not as Mike now at 52. And, and, and I'm so thankful I'm not what I was. I'm not what I'm going to be. But I am what I am right now by the grace of God, and he's changing me. And that's all of our testimonies, guys. If the Lord is your God, then he is shaping you from the inside out. He is changing your thinking. He is working through your life. 2 Timothy 1.7 says that the power of the Holy Spirit gives us the power to live courageously. For the Spirit of God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. I, I can't say it enough, guys. The, the power of the Holy Spirit is not like some little battery you plug into a drill that barely gets anything done. It is, it's like hooking up to a 220, all right? It'll change you when you get a hold of him. And he wants to get a hold of all of our lives. So the first thing we have to see this morning is that if we are following Jesus, there is power in us. Power that can break through every bondage. He also promises the power to achieve. This is where I think it's so important as a family of God. God can do great things through you. God sees greatness in every one of you. And he has shown through his word and his love that he gives us all that we need in order to do great things that will honor him. Ephesians 3.20, one of my favorite passages in all the Bible says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I could go on and on. There's so much that happens when we engage with the power of the Holy Spirit. He fills us with hope. He, he fills us with faith that doesn't depend on our wisdom. He gives us that ability to withstand persecution. He gives us strength that's beyond ourselves, and we need to recognize there is power to connection. 
But there's a second power of that connection I want us to focus on a little more this morning. That is this. Not only connected to power, the power of the Holy Spirit, but God connects us to people who believe great things with us. We are connected to others that believe great things with us. I, I ran into somebody that when I was young, they were kind of the they were kind of the prayer force around my life. I don't know why they loved me in the church, and they'd always pray that God would get a hold of my life. And I thought they were ancient then. They're still kicking now, so they're still going. But they, they, they were people that connected, and they believed great things in me, and they spoke great things into my life. And that's what the church should do. We should believe the best for each other, right? We, we should look out for each other in this disjointed world. One of the beauties is having a family that says we know you, and we want to grow with you. You see, God doesn't only want to give us power to to achieve great things. He wants us to connect powerfully with other people. Because when we do, can I tell you, church, amazing things happen. It's through the church. It's through the connected body of Christ that our witness is made known to the world. In In John 17, it says this. It was a prayer of Jesus, and he was speaking about the future, speaking about the church. And he's talking to the Father, and he says, this is my desire, that I would be in them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. You know, being part of the church is not like being in a, on a team where you're competing against other teams. Do you recognize that? We, we, are, we are not in competition with any church in this area or in the world. We are partners together holding out the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're, we're kind of like the Baskin Robbins. There's, there's a different flavor on every corner. And there's importance because guess what? There are people that need the different flavor to come to know Jesus Christ. And we all need to find what flavor fits us, amen? And we believe there's a flavor to hope that's been developing. It's a short time, but it's been developing. Because we're made stronger when we're together. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Church, there's something about being connected. There's something about being connected in love, in relationship, in prayer. And the Bible talks about it all the time. It talks about how that we pray together. Something powerful happens. Matthew 18 says this. Truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it'll be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Now think about that from your home standpoint. You and a friend agree. You and a spouse agree. You and your child agree. God says, I show up. I show up. You don't have to wait to get to church on Sunday to see God show up, guys. He's with us always. And he is eager to answer our prayers, but he tells us there is a power when we come connected. There is something that takes place when we connect. Listen, when we connect with the power of God, it brings energy. Energy to change. Energy to witness. But when we connect with each other in relationship, it brings synergy. And I know that's a word that's really abused a lot and mostly not understood, but yet what it speaks about is this. Simply put, synergy means one plus one equals a whole lot more than two, okay? It means something happens that kind of breaks out of the realms of of logic. It it really speaks to the fact that so much more can be done when we are together. I I love the the thought out of Leviticus, back in the law, Leviticus chapter Factor 26 says this, it's kind of maybe where the cliche came from where together we achieve more, but it says five of you will chase a hundred, and a hundred of you will chase ten thousand, and your enemies will fall by the sword before you. What he's saying is, alone, yeah, we're, we're, we're connected to the power of God, but man, when we connect together in relationship, 
is powerful. Powerful. I was watching last week when I went to be with my dad, and my dad's in a wheelchair now, and a lot of change in his life. And I watched as every day someone else from the church showed up to take care of something he needed. They were hauling in places. They were going buying him groceries. I'm like, Dad, you got it made. I mean, you know, he, he, he's all these. Uh, now, I got to watch the ladies showing up, okay? But there was a lot of, like, you know, grandmas showing up. I'm like, all right, Dad, hey, time out. We need to let him talk here, right? And, uh, but, I mean, it was just amazing. And I was like, you know, I've always felt so it's been hard living away from family, especially as they get older. But, you know, God was taking care of them through the church. It's important we see the power. But here, here's, here's what we got to recognize, too, though. Not only are we, we are connected, and there's so much beauty to that, but unfortunately many live their lives disconnected or living in a bad connection. And this is where I want to wrap up today. I want to talk about what do you do when there's a bad connection? What do you do when something's not happening the way you think it ought to be? So how do you really troubleshoot a bad connection? Here's, here's the main idea, and you can write this down. When the connection glitches, check the switches, all right? We'll, we'll explain that in a minute. When the connection glitches, check the switches. You see, every one of us, it's a no-brainer that we want the kind of power in our lives that God talks about, and, and, it, and it's obvious for us to say, yes, we want relationship, but why is it that so many don't have it? Why is it that so many live disconnected lives and don't see the power of God flowing through them? And really simply put, for many, it's the simple thought that you're just not plugged in. You're not plugged into the power source to begin with. You see, many people in our culture come to church but don't connect to the very power source by a relationship with Jesus Christ. Can I tell you that church is not the saving grace? Jesus Christ is the one that brings saving grace. And if we're not connected, we're not plugging in, then we've never trusted the work of Christ on the cross. So all the promises, all the blessings, all the things the Bible speaks about that God brings toward us don't apply unless you're plugged into the power source. You're like, whoa, wait a minute. You, you mean me sitting here all the time? or You mean I'm not, I'm not accessing God just because I'm showing up? There is one way to the Father. The Bible says it clearly, through the Son. There's one way. It's not, it's not through the church. The church is a beautiful thing, and the church should become the family of God. But it only applies when we are plugged in into the literal presence and power of God. And simply choosing to begin a life with Christ and trusting what he did for you plugs you in and connects you into the very promises he has made for you and your family. But at the same time, there are some that have plugged in. They've, they've gone into relationship with Christ, but yet it still seems like the power is not flowing. Why is that? Why is that? Why is it that sometimes it seems like no matter how hard you work or how hard you go at it, it seems like the power is not really functioning there? One of my, one of my favorite <laughs> comedies of old, and it has to do with Christmas. Maybe I'm thinking about Christmas because it's so stinking hot, but uh, is Christmas Vacation. Y'all remember? Yeah, that couple. Come, honestly, how many have seen this more than once? I'm not going to ask how many times you've seen it. Growing up, this is, this is a Texas thing, all right? Uh, you know, when I moved to Carolina, we had quaint southern Christmas, right? We had candles in the, in the, in the windows, wreaths on the door, and little sacks of dirt with candles in them along the, on the road, right? Right along the driveway. And I thought, what is, what is that about? Because see, where I came from, it was like gaudy Christmas, okay? We had neighborhood competitions. Who could put more lights on their house than anybody else won? 
We had flying Santa Clauses and reindeer. I mean, you, you name it, we did it because everything's bigger in Texas, right? That's why they threw me out. And uh, it's just that gaudiness. And, and I love this movie because he did the perfect gaudiness. But if you remember the story of the, of, of the, of the Christmas, he put 25,000 lights on his house to impress everybody, and he went to plug everything in. What happened? Nothing. And what did he do? He started checking every bulb, 25,000 of them, only for his precious wife to walk over to the breaker and realize the switch had not been thrown. And as soon as she turned the switch on, guess what happened? All the lights came on, right? So when the connection glitches, you're better off checking the switches and instead of going back and trying to figure out every little thing in your life, what might be wrong with it, all right? If you're disconnected, listen, there's some things that very simply you need to look at. There's four things. This is what we're going to wrap up. We're going to pray here in a few moments. The four things that we've got to look at that are probably turned off if you're not seeing the power of God flowing in your life and your family and your marriage and your finance and all those things. And the first is very simple. If, if the main switch of the Bible is not important in your life, can I tell you, you're missing out on the power of God. If, if the Bible's not something that it becomes part of your life and part of your reading and part of your study, then you're missing out something in your life. Because John says that these words are full of spirit and they're full of life and they're full of truth. This is not just a book that sits on the shelf and it makes your house holy. Can, can I get a, oh my. I don't know why it is when the preacher visits, guess what I will always find? There's a Bible on like the family table, right? And I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah. Believe me, the remote has more importance than that in most houses. Ooh, you should go to Texas more often. You're messing out. Yes, I am. Because I want you to live in the power of God. This word is so important. The Bible says in Joshua we should meditate on it. We should live in it. Psalm 119, it says we almost like ought to eat it. It's like it should become part of the nourishment of our lives. We shouldn't be able to go a day without it. And we need to take time in the Word and let the Word of God speak into us. And that is probably the primary switch. If you are struggling with the power of God is not flowing in your marriage or your finances, then I'm telling you, get back into the Word of God. See what His promises say about you. And begin to claim them by faith in the name of Jesus. And speak them out. Because the Word says that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. It's so important that we have the switch of the Bible working in our lives. The second switch I would say you check if your connection is not working is the switch of prayer. And I'm not talking about at mealtime. I'm talking about real prayer. Speaking, communicating with God, taking time to share with Him your life, your heart, your burdens, your hopes, your dreams. Why? Because He says that when we come after Him, He comes after us. Luke chapter 11 says this, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. I mean, that's a good promise right there. And we're going to be helping you out in this in a few weeks. I'm going to be sharing with you. We're going to enter in in September of 21 days of focused prayer and fasting for those who want to fast in that time. And we're going to spend time as a church in focused prayer. And some of you are like, Mike, I don't even know how to pray. We're going to give you resources of how to pray and how to build prayer in your life and how to start prayer in your home. Why? Because it's one of the switches. And if the, switches is not, if the switch is not thrown, it doesn't matter how many bulbs you check, nothing's going to change. And prayer is one of those things that we need to have functioning in our lives. It goes on in that same chapter. I love this picture. He says, which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? 
Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. I mean, it's just ridiculous, right? He says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Guys, we're just kids talking to our dad. That's what prayer is. We're just kids talking to our dad and know what he wants to know, what we need. My dad's 82. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty independent. He's still like, what do you need? I'm like, Dad, I don't need anything. Hey, there's some money up there in that book. Well, I'm not going to take it, you know? What do you, you know? I mean, he's still in that dad mode. And, and honestly, that's what our father, he looks at us and says, what do you need? Ask. And you say, well, wait a minute. Doesn't God know everything? Yeah, he does. But he still says ask. Because he values relationship. He wants to hear from you. He wants you to take time with him. So another switch is that prayer. Third switch this morning, and it's so important, we're not going to spend a lot of time on it, is the switch of worship. It's the switch of worship. You know, we're in a trend in America right now. There are many that say, I, 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 I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. And I want to be part of the church. Church is Im- imperfect. But can I tell you that there's something powerful that happens when we gather together that should be happening all week long, and that is when we worship during the week and we come together and worship him as one. The Bible says that literally he becomes enthroned in the midst of us. And he begins to speak over us. And he begins to pour out power among us. We spent a whole series recently on this called God's Love Language. You can go to our podcast at HopeCharlotte.com and listen to it. But we need to give God the worship he enjoys the most, not the worship we enjoy the most. God's not looking to be entertained. But he invites us to enter into a relationship of worship. Why? Because he wants to pour out good things in our lives. It's a switch. It's a switch. It's like the Bible, just like prayer. Worship is one of the switches. And the last switch is this. And it's a switch of fellowship. The switch of fellowship. You know, there are 59 commandments in the New Testament that you cannot fulfill unless you're connected with the body of Christ. There, there are 59 one another statements in the New Testament that says you can't do this unless you're connected together. How are you going to love one another? How are you going to bear each other's burdens? How are you going to pray for each other or stand with each other during persecution or hard times unless you're connected? And that's why it's so important to be part of a local fellowship that it becomes a community that is made for you. That's why we have community groups here at Hope. We're going to be kicking them back off in in September. Because when we are known, then we grow. When we know someone, we see them through God's eyes and we help them grow. It's so important that we have unity in our lives and community in our lives. So how do we land this? How do we, how do we bring this in? The word says that a family brings you acceptance, and it's so powerful. You can be yourself. You, you can be who you are. It, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a judgment-free zone, right? My, my niece, whose hair is purple right now, I'll go, hey, I love your purple hair. Not really, but okay. You know? Because it doesn't matter. I love her. It doesn't matter if her hair is green. She's still my family. There's an acceptance, right? And it's acceptance that's happened in the body of Christ. But there's also a connectedness. And that connectedness should help us see that we're not alone trying to examine our lives and go, you know, i, I got to fix this and fix this and fix this and fix this, and maybe then I'll experience what I see in these other people or whatever. But I hope you understand this morning, unless the, unless the switch is thrown, unless you're plugged into Jesus, number one, Unless the switches are thrown, you're in the Word, you're praying, you're in the worship, in the fellowship. You can spend your whole life trying to figure out which, which bulb is burnt out. 
but I'd rather you spend your life connected to God. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. Let the Holy Spirit change you. Let the Holy Spirit lead you to live a life with the power of God and the people of God. Because when we do that, we see power flowing through us. We see power making a difference. But it all happens when we stay connected. I want to read you something in closing today, then we're going to pray. It's, uh, it's out of Galatians 3. It's out of the what, I, what is called the message version. It's, it's what's called a transliteration. It's basically taking the original Greek the New Testament's written in and kind of bringing it out in, in street language as we can understand. And Eugene Peterson was the author of this. And in, in Galatians 3, verses 1 through 6, it says this. You crazy Galatians. How many know you don't want to start a letter like that, right? <laughs> you crazy people. You crazy Galatians. Did someone put a hex on you? Have you taken leave of your senses? Man, he is like engendering himself in that audience right there. Something crazy has happened. For it is obvious that you no longer have the crucified Jesus in clear focus in your lives. His sacrifice on the cross was certainly set before you clearly enough. Let me put this question to you. How did your new life begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God? Or was it by responding to God's message to you? Are you going to continue this craziness? For only crazy people would think they could complete by their own efforts what God has begun. If you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin it, how do you suppose you can perfect it? Did you go through this whole painful learning process for nothing? It's not yet a total loss, but it certainly will be if you keep this up. Answer this question. Does the God who lavishly provides you with his own presence, his Holy Spirit, working things in your lives you can never do for yourselves, does he do these things because of your strenuous moral striving or because you trust him to do those things in you? Let's pray. Father, God, we want to be in that trust relationship with you. God, we want to be connected, Father. God, in every way you desire. Father, I pray for the family of God. I pray for the churches, Lord, the, the local expression of the family of God all around this world, our city, God. The Father, we truly would be a place of acceptance, God. We're all, all are welcome. God, all are welcome. And God, we point to the cross, God, for that's where we want, we want all of us to go through, God. God, where we take our old life and we give it to you, God. God, we find new life in Christ. God, salvation, forgiveness of sin, overcoming, God, renewal. God, I thank you that, Lord, not only do you accept us, God, but, Lord, you want us to be connected. God, not connected out of our own strength, our own striving, God, somehow morally just saying we're going to make ourselves better, God, but trusting you and trusting the work of the Holy Spirit in us, God, that, God, if there is change needed, God, you're going to show us. But I'm so thankful that you're not a, a, a father that just points out what's wrong without giving us the power to change, God. And I pray today, God, you draw us near to you in this time of closing. God, you let us see you working in us. God, you let us see you. God, we celebrate, Father, what is happening through us. God, we open ourselves to more and more, God, of what you want, God, and we give ourselves wholly, completely, God, God, to the work of your Holy Spirit in us. So, God, I pray, Lord, as we prepare our hearts this morning, God, to respond, that, Lord, you would just, even right now, God, just settle in our hearts, oh, God, that, Lord, God, your hand is out, God. God, you want us connecting with you. Would you stand across the...
the auditorium this morning. Just as you stand, just, just bow your head for a moment. We're, we're about to go into a, a time of response to God. And if you're our guest, this is something we do every Sunday. It, it's, it's based just around this premise. And that is we believe the Word of God is living and active. We believe that every time it is spoken or we come under its teaching, there is a response that should happen in us. And we really base it around answering two questions. What is God saying to you? What are you, what are you going to do about it? This morning we invite you to take a moment. Our band is going to lead us back into a, a song of worship. And take a moment and let these words sink into your spirit this morning. And as God reveals your heart and God reveals what he's doing in you and through you, we just encourage you to yield to that and let God guide you. Maybe there's a, a point of, of need of repentance in your life. And maybe there's something that you know you're out of sorts with God and, and he's just showing you, hey, I want to I be connected. There, here's where you plug back in. Act on that. Act on that. Maybe, maybe you need to go to the cross and just spend some time there in prayer. We're going to come and for believers have communion this morning. And, and communion is a time of reflection because the Bible speaks about us coming in a worthy manner to remember what God has done for us through His Son, Jesus. We take the bread, it's representing His body, that He was broken for us, that every point of brokenness in our lives can be whole through Him. We dip it in the juice this morning, symbolizing the blood of Christ, because we recognize again that it's only through the blood of Jesus our sins are forgiven. We can never earn our way back. It's only by recognizing what He did for us. We sang it earlier, His grace is enough. And then we're going to pray together, we're going to give out of the abundance of our hearts and our tithe and offering and we're going to celebrate our life together but it begins by simply saying God what are you saying to me and I ask you that father to help us right now God I pray that Lord as we Lord spend this time together God that we don't just exit out thinking that service is done God but Lord this crucial moment this crucial time God where God we just let your spirit speak into our lives and God we take steps of faith this morning to honor you so father guide us during this time of response let your word come alive in us God, let our response be an honor to you. God, I pray this morning, God, for any that don't know you, God, that are not plugged in yet. God, I pray today, God, that, Lord, what you've been moving them toward, God, no man can do for them, God, but, Lord, today, God, in their own, in their own place, God, right where they are, God, they would say to you, Father, I need you. God, I want you. God, I recognize that, Lord, my life is, is not whole unless you are, unless you are Lord of it. God, I, I thank you, Lord, in our prayer of faith, God. The word says that, Lord, when we, when we claim that our need is of you, God, and we make you our Lord, and God, when we recognize that Jesus did exactly what the word says, he died on the cross for our sin, he rose from the grave in power, the word of God says that we're saved. And God, I'm so glad, Father, that word means so much. God, more than just even forgiveness of sin, it means a restoration, a wholeness, God, that you want to bring in all of our lives, God. And I pray for anyone today whether in podcast or here, God, that would make that step. God, you run to them. And God, you embrace them and you make them whole. God, I pray for us, God, that have been serving you a long time. God, we're still on that journey. God, there's still more to come, God. And we just pray you help us to respond, God, in a fresh way to you. In Jesus' name. Let's respond to the Lord this morning. Andre, lead us. <laughs> 